turn with me to read, please, again this morning from Judges chapter 6. And we have taken up just this particular set of verses now at this time, verse 25 through verse 32. And we read together. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him to get in, take thy father's bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock. This strong place is your marginal reading. And in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. When the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? When they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it's yet morning. If he be God, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerubbaal, saying, let Baal plead against him because he hath thrown down his altar. Turn with me again, please. In your hymn book, stand with me and we sing together number 530. Jesus, I my cross have taken all to leave and follow thee. Naked, poor, despised, forsaken, thou from hence my all shalt be. As while thou 
Titled the message this morning, I know that in your bulletin you have seen that we have an overall title that we carry forward from one week to the next each week. But then I try also to title each message. I don't know that I have necessarily emphasized that along the way. If I have not and you do not have those titles and would like them, tell me and I'll be glad to look and get them again for you. But today I have titled this particular lesson, Whose Son Are You? Whose son or daughter are you? As we approach our passage again this morning, here in the book of Judges, chapter 6, and verses 25 through 32 that I read in your hearing, I would remind you again of my design, my intended design in the treatment of these texts. I told you in that first message from this section that I would not seek to expound these words by the use of outlining, as I sometimes do. Nevertheless, I gave you what I think was a very comprehensive outline of this passage, but I told you that I did not intend to expound this text by use of that outline. Nor do I intend to treat this text by simple exposition of the words in doing grammatical word studies, as I sometimes do. But rather, I have set out to do my exposition here, as I have done in many other places in this book, 
by attempting to extract the clear and plain lessons that are lodged here within the text. Lessons that are set there by God's Holy Spirit of inspiration for our instruction. You know well that passage in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11 that said, Now all these things, these things, happened unto them for in samples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Lessons, lessons after all, lessons are why these things happen according to that text and are why they are written. I don't know why so many modern pulpits ignore the Old Testament scriptures. When we have clear instruction in the New that they were written for our instruction. So then we've set about to hear these lessons From this text. So far I have given to you already three lessons extracted from these verses. I gave you the first lesson. Number one was out of chapter verse 25 and the very first phrase we extracted this lesson. That when God's righteousness is revealed in the soul. Immediately. War is declared on his enemies. Verse 25 said, And it came to pass the same night. War is declared immediately when there is a revelation of the righteousness of God in the soul. I gave you a message from the second lesson That judgment begins at the house of God. The judgment that was due to Israel and judgments under which they had suffered when repentance was wrought, when deliverance was to be brought, it must begin immediately and it must begin at home. Gideon has business to do in his house before he has any business to do among the Midianites. And then a third lesson on last week I gave you out of verse 27 and the first few words of verse 27 I gave you this lesson our God is never without hands to do his bidding when his work is to be done. Verse 27 said, Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, ten fitted, faithful servants. God is never without hands. To do his work. What a lesson. And now this morning. Just on the heels of that lesson. 
I would have us to take up another. Another lesson which in my mind is as clear in its presentation here as it is powerful in its import. But before I take up this lesson, I feel I must make an uncharacteristic personal notation. You know me well, those of you here, and you know well that I do not use the pulpit for a public whipping post to use a phrase to vent my spleen over issues of personal interest or nor to press my disapproval of things in your lives in this congregation. I hold strongly that such use of the pulpit ministry is cowardly and an abuse of the sacred duty in biblical preaching. I do not use the pulpit for a whipping post for saints. I take the lessons of God's word just where I find them. In my routine exposition of the scriptures, and I make what the Puritans call close applications of those lessons to our hearts. However, however that may or may not touch any of your lives, if God by His Holy Spirit bruise your conscience on any point, I rejoice. But it was never specifically intended by me to be so. If I have an axe to grind, if I may capture that expression, if I have any axe to grind with any in this congregation, I will and have come to you individually and make it known to you. And so I hope you will receive the good word of our God today only because it is His word. I make no apologies for the word of God applying indeed what use is it all if it does not apply for us. I hope you know these things. I hope you believe these things. Many pulpits are used for the whipping of God's saints and it ought not to be. So then I come now to my fourth lesson. From the great record of these verses before us this morning, Gideon, as I have so earnestly tried to show you on last week, Gideon must declare war first with sin before he has any hope to be instrumental in war with God's enemies 
the Midianites. In this war, in this war, that is, this war with sin, he must begin at home with his own sin and then with the sins of his own family. And so my lesson to you this morning is this. Simply put, the saints' declaration of war against God's enemies, the saints' declaration of war, and we saw that in the first lesson that I gave you, the saints' declaration of war against God's enemies cannot hope to avoid his own family, and indeed, it must begin there. The saints' declaration of war against God's enemies cannot hope to avoid his own family. Indeed, it must begin there. When the soul has experienced an encounter with the divine angel of God, verse 12, and when the soul has been the object of that transforming manifestation, verses 12, through 22. That experience transcends all earthly ties and dissolves all purely natural associations and casts the soul into a new and holy frame of obedience. I want to say that again because every bit of that is vital to your understanding. When the soul has experienced an encounter with this angel and the transforming manifestation that occurs in that view, that experience transcends all earthly ties and dissolves all purely natural associations and cast the soul into a new and holy frame of obedience. Oh, how graphically does our text insist on this doctrine. Notice with me, first, Gideon's first and most instinctive thoughts Hear me now. In verse 15, when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, I point this out in your text. His first and most instinctive, and dare I use the word intuitive, his first and most instinctive thoughts when confronted with the Lord's demands was his familial standing. Notice verse 15. And he said unto him, O oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. 
and I am the least in my father's house. <laughs> Gideon's very first and most instinctive thoughts when confronted by the angel of God and the demands of God was his family standing. His family relationships. <laughs> Secondly, I point out to you that the angel's first instruction, the angel's first instruction that we take up in our passage in verse 25 through 32, the angel's first instruction to Gideon was not to raise an army and begin the rigors of discipline to put together an army to destroy the Midianites. It was not to go out and find the equipage and all of the military hardware that was going to be necessary to take on some kind of battle with the Midianites. It was not that. It was not to gather around him men of genius and develop a stratagem of war as to how to take on the Midianites. It was none of these things. The angel's first instruction is, in the words of our text, take thy father's book. The first casualty of this war will be the nature and character of all his previous standing in his family. Did you get it? The first casualty of this war that's been declared by Gideon obeying the angel of God, the first casualty of this war is going to be his standing in his family. Take thy father's young bullock and cut down thy father's grove and burn it. Mm. Nothing of his former relations, not even that of a father to his son, nothing can be allowed to remain on its original unsanctified footing, but must come under the order of this new revelation. This, as I said, was his father's book. Verse 25. Not only that, but this was his father's very special book. The Spirit of God denotes for us that it was a second young book, even the second of seven years old. Clearly this book had been marked out peculiarly for sacrifice to Baal, seven years old, prepared especially for sacrifice. This was his father's bullock. This was his father's 
special bullock. This, in verse 25, was his father's grove. And throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. This was his father's bullock. This was his father's special bullock. This was his father's grove. Not only that, this was a violation as men saw it of his father's household. Notice the words in verse 27, because he feared his father's household. His father's household. This was his father's bullock, his father's special bullock. This was his father's grove. Not only that, but we find out in verse 28 and verse 30 that this particular, this, this altar and this grove and this bullock were all important to his family's standing in their community. The men rose up, verse 28, early in the morning, and behold, the altar of Baal was cut down. This man stood in relation to his whole, whole community in that he furnished the means for them to have their religion. And thus his standing in the community was tied inextricably to these items. And the angel of God said, take them. Everything, everything Gideon is asked to do is an affrontery to his natural father and a war on his whole household. Hmm. Why must he do these things? Why must he take such measures? Why must he so boldly inflict this pain? Here's the answer. Verse 22. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. That's the whole thing. Oh, Lord, he says, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And everything now is different. Every loyalty is shifted onto him. Every design now in Gideon's heart is governed by him. <laughs> Everything now dishonoring to this angel 
is worse than nothing and all allegiance is to the angel. Hallelujah. Well, I tell you, when I look on folks that are struggling with this, I've got to wonder, have you ever encountered him? Have you ever seen him? Have you ever heard his voice? Do you know him? This won't be hard. This lesson won't be hard if you've met this angel. <laughs> oh, listen to me. There is no tie that binds. And I love that expression. I'm a sentimental old fool. All of you know that. I love, there's certain things I'm just very sentimental. I love that expression, the tie that binds. There's a song. I love the tie that binds. But listen to me. There is no tie that binds Gideon's heart now, but this tie, this blessed angel. That's all he sees. That's all that matters. Just obedience to this angel. Oh, there's no doubt. But that in that scene yonder, and I won't take the time to read it. In that scene yonder, you already know it well in Exodus chapter 32. There is no doubt <laughs> that in that scene yonder in Exodus chapter 32, Moses' own family stood there that day. His own family stood there that day when he stepped out into the gate of the camp in verse 26 and said who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. Who's on the Lord's side? Verse 27 of that chapter. He said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. Why, Moses? Why, why, Moses? Why must you do this horrible thing? Verse 29, And Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. Hallelujah. Who's on the Lord's side? Let him take up arms against his own family if it need be, because we need the blessing of the Lord is an interesting word in that verse. It starts out, verse 29, the word consecrate. It means the marginal reading, in fact, if you have a King James Bible and old King James, the marginal reading says, fill your hands. <laughs> fill your hands. Fill your hands. Not just your heart, your mind, your lips. Fill your hands, Moses said. Put your sword on and fill your hands with the glory of God. Fill your hands today to the Lord. Oh, says our Lord to Gideon, 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 beginning in verse 25, our Lord says, Gideon, fill your hands. Fill your hands, son. Fill your hands for this good work. 
Let not the ties of the earth slow your obedience or bind your service. Kill every hindrance to your holy worship and linger not for earthly relations. Who is on the Lord's side? I may put the question to our hearts this morning. Who's on the Lord's side? Then fill your hands. Fill your hands for the glory of God. And spare not, as I said, Moses' family was standing there that day when he made that declaration. Can I just warn you, saint of God, can I just warn you this morning that every fatted bullock must die no matter whose it is. Every idle grove must be cut down no matter whose relation it stands in. Every bale must be abolished even if in the doing of it you stand to sever earth's most sacred ties. It must die. And you must not dally to do the job. Oh, if you will not hear me this morning, if you will not hear Gideon this morning, then I ask you for the good of your soul, hear your Lord this morning. Luke chapter 14 and verse 25, And there were great multitudes with him, and he turned and said to them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I'm warning you this morning. I'm warning every believer here. Let nothing, let no one hinder you at all in your service to God. Take your father's bullock if you must. Take your mother's idol if you must. Take your family's grove if you must and burn it all on the altar newly erected in your heart. Gideon will never see a single Midianite dead. He will never see, never see another field of grain harvested in peace. He will never grow another flock in safety until his father's bonds are broken and his idols burned.
Matthew chapter 12 at verse 46. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desire to speak with him. And then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desire to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples. And he said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. You know our Lord is not teaching here the abandonment of family right, things that are right. You know that. On his cross, he tended to the care and needs of his earthly mother. You know he's not teaching that. But when anything in your family hinders you in the slightest from your due obedience to Christ, it must be burned. Gideon didn't know what would come of all this when he did it. Oh, why would you dare to believe this morning? Why would you dare to believe that you can hold close to your bosom those who hate your God and serve Baal? Your God, not a God of their imagination. Your God. Gideon would teach us this lesson. But wait. I bless the Lord. This is not the end of what our text teaches concerning this lesson about family relations. This is not the end of it. You see, we take up now verse 30. The men of the city said to Joash, Bring out thy son that he may die because he hath cast down the altar of Baal and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it and George said unto all that stood against him. Stood against him. <laughs> the lines, the lines have already been drawn, haven't they? And they spoke, he spoke to them that stood against him and said, will you plead for Baal? Will you save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it's yet morning. If he be a God, let him plead for himself because one hath cast down his altar. <laughs> oh, somehow. My wife and I had a discussion of this at the table, I don't know, this week. Somehow, and nobody knows exactly how. And it really doesn't matter. We discussed multiple possibilities, as did the commentators. Did Gideon come in after he'd finished his work and rouse his father and before the city was awake, tell him what had happened? Had it begun earlier, way back before, had he come to his father and expressed to him that he'd met with this angel and told his father what all had happened before all this came about? 
Did he have knowledge of it beforehand? Was it something spontaneous that suddenly it came upon him that his son had stood for God and stood for right and he was fed up with his own idolatry and sick of his own sin and suddenly, immediately, God gave him grace to stand. How did it happen? I don't know how it happened. Nobody knows how it happened. But somehow, blessed be our God, he was able to stand brave and it resulted in the salvation of his father's soul. Hallelujah. He stood, Gideon stood, Gideon obeyed at the risk of the loss of everything and everybody. And somehow God Brought it to fruition in the heart of his father. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Matthew 16 and verse 24. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. Oh, listen to me. <laughs> somehow, can I say it again? Somehow, somehow, and it doesn't even matter how. Who cares? Somehow. God worked in this man's heart because Gideon stood. Gideon purged out the idolatry. Oh, somebody said, and I quote them, be bold, be bold in every right cause. No great work for God has ever been done without danger. But God may save your enemies when your faith burns brightest in the flames of rejection and sorrow. Hey, hey, listen to me. God may save your worst enemies if they be among your family when your faith burns brightest in the flames of rejection and sorrow. Somebody said that it is little doubt, but that the boldness of Peter and John, Peter and John, the boldness of Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 verse 13 contributed to the building up of Christ's church in those early days of persecution. Paul, somebody said Paul's unflinching courage in the face of Jews and Gentiles was a great power in the early missionary work. The fearless attitude of the of Luther and those early reformers before the Pope and the civic sword breathed the spirit of untamable revolution in the hearts of their followers. And so it always has been and it always will be Boldness of action springing from deep conviction of truth is the surest presage of success. Then may we hope 
to lead others in righteousness. You say, I don't want to lose them. Lose them. Lose every idol. Lose every connection. Lose everything. And commit all to this angel. How can two walk together except they be agreed? I ask you this morning, how deep is your conviction today? How bold is your heart in obedience to Christ? Only that, only that in God's purposes may turn your father, may turn your mother, may turn your sisters, may turn your brothers. Only that. Your boldness and obedience. Where is your loyalty today? It begs the question, as I've mentioned it before, have you encountered the angel, this angel, in the wine press of your captivity? Have you heard his call? Have you declared war on his enemies? Where is your heart in these matters? Are you holding back for fear of loss or some tie? Where is the honor of God in the estimation of your family relations? I'll say that again. Where is the honor of God in the estimation of your family relations? Gideon is our pattern. Oh, may God help us to learn this lesson. Gideon, take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that's by it, and build an altar upon the top of this rock in an ordered place and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. And Gideon took ten men and did it immediately. And the result is when the persecution came Gideon's father stood. May God help us learn this lesson. Turn with me, please, in your hymn book. Stand with me again, and we sing together again. Number 725. Oh, wait. 
take our souls away our fears let every trembling thought be gone awake and run the heavenly race and put a cheerful courage on. True tis a straight and thorny road, and mortal spirits tire and faint, but they forget the mighty God who feeds the strength of every saint. The mighty God whose matchless power is ever new and ever young and firm endures while endless years their everlasting circles run. From thee the overflowing spring, our souls shall drink a full supply, while those who trust their native strength shall melt away and droop and die. Swift as an eagle cuts the air, will mount aloft to thine abode. On wings of love our souls shall fly, nor tire amid the heavenly rule.